The following program is a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program. Hello, everyone. This is Omar Carmona. I am a partner at the Carmona Lozano Mesa Law Firm. We go by CLM. Our office is downtown in the Wells Fargo building. Uh, it's 221 North Kansas. We are on the 12th floor, Suite 1200. You can always reach us at 915-225-1555 or office email is office at clmfirm.com. Uh, any questions or concerns, please give us a call. Um, free consultations. And if we cannot handle the case, we would definitely want to put you in the right direction and refer you to someone who does handle cases um, that you may uh, be interested in. Again, my name is Omar Carmona. This is my legal assistant, uh, Tanya Lozano. Uh, she handles the parole cases in our firm and uh, does a very good job. And uh, we're going to be talking about some parole issues that we've seen in our practice, in our office. Um, again, if you have any questions, please email us at office at clmfirm.com. We do, we've been doing parole for um, uh, several years now. Uh, I don't know of many attorneys in El Paso that handle parole cases, uh, but it's definitely a, a different type of law because at this point, someone has already received their punishment. But there are some things as lawyers we can still do for them to help them transition back into society. So that, that being said, Tanya and I will be uh, talking about different topics today. Uh, but the first one is, uh, Tanya, what is parole? So uh, parole is basically the release of an offender by the decision of a parole panel uh, to serve the remainder of their sentence under supervision in the community. And obviously they must be eligible for parole. Um, and so, you know, we think, okay, parole, who actually decides on these parole matters? Um, and so I believe there is a Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles. And if Omar, if you want to kind of sure. give a little bit more info on that. Yes, the Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles. They are a state agency. Uh, they are made up of seven members. They are appointed by the governor and they serve six year terms. Their offices are located on Amarillo, Angleton, Gatesville, Huntsville, Palestine, and San Antonio, Texas. In each office, there are three member panels with one parole board member and two parole commissioners, okay? Uh, so basically when someone comes to our office for a, 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 a parole consult, they, they are usually coming in because they have a relative, a spouse, someone that they know um, that possibly could be up for parole. And the first person they would talk to is Ms. Lozano. So uh, Ms. Lozano, what do you uh, ask for when, you, when these people are calling initially before they uh, talk to the lawyers? Right, so the most important thing is obviously to get their information and we reference the TDCJ website, that's the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, and we look up their information. Uh, once we find them in the system, there are some very important dates, for example, you know, what unit they're located in, uh, their maximum sentence date, their parole eligibility date, and obviously when their parole review date will be. So obviously that's the key date that we focus on because we know how much time we have to prepare the packet. And we basically from then on explain, you know, what the process entails, what our packet includes, um, and how much time we have to prepare. Um, and so 
as someone is approaching their parole review date, um, there's certain things that have to happen before you know they're they're ready. Um, and so prior to that, Omar, if you kind of want to dive into um, you know the initial you know interview and review. Okay, so basically Tanya gets the information and says, Omar, uh, our client is up for parole review on let's just throw out a rent a random date, April first, twenty twenty three. Typically, these inmates are going to be up for parole review six months prior to that date. So that would mean, I guess, October 1st would be when their parole review date starts. Now, if a family hires us uh, the last two weeks of March to prepare a parole packet, we're going to be under the gun and and I, I, you know, we'll still help out as best we can. But, you know, the concern is, are we going to give our are, are we going to have the best chance of succeeding preparing that late in the game. So if you are considering hiring uh, a lawyer to handle a parole issue, specifically dealing with a relative of yours trying to get out of prison and onto parole, you, you want to do it sooner rather than later. Because the most important thing about parole is a parole plan. When a person is in a parole review process, the institutional parole officer will conduct a parole interview. Also, all the inmates' parole records are going to be pulled, conduct records, work records while in a TDC facility. These things are going to be uh, considered. Also, these uh, officers will prepare a case summary. Other things that the parole people are going to be mindful of is they're going to be mindful of the underlying offense. Why is it that the, why did this person go to prison initially and for how long? They are also going to reach out to any victims. Uh, on the case. So they're going to want to know how they feel about a possible parole plan. Also relevant information that the parole will take into consideration is was this a violent offense? Obviously violent offenders have a higher likelihood to reoffend, and they're also going to be uh, looking into did this violent offender get appropriate treatment uh, while in custody uh, to warrant a possible uh, release plan. We want to make sure we know who the offender is going to live with uh, there's not going to be any issues with transportation, going to counseling, uh, anything like that. Uh, for certain offenders, uh, there are safety zones. Uh, sex offenders, they can't be living near a school, anywhere there are, ch you know, any places there are children. Uh, also, special requirements, will there be drug alcohol counseling, sex offender counseling, things like that. Uh, once these reports are submitted to the panel, the panel will then make a decision. They will notify uh, the inmate and they will also notify uh, the attorneys to you know let us know what their decision was if it's granted there will be a plan in place to transition back into society if it is denied another date in the future will be set up for the next parole date and then we can also talk about the things the adjustments we can make on a parole release plan and now uh, uh, Tanya will be talking about uh, the parole uh, panel and what they look at making their decisions Right, so now that we know all of that information, um, you know, clients and their family members are asking, okay, so what exactly goes into the packet? And so this is where I kind of spend most of my time uh, with the family members, walking them through, and, and pretty much our packet entails um, obviously an, an attorney letter, um, a personal statement from the client and obviously his or her parole plan, uh, letters of support from family members, friends, maybe past coworkers. Um, along with that, uh, letters of employment or promises of employment, 
Um, in addition to that, we also compile any certificates that he or she may have completed while in custody and also anything that was achieved even prior to, to getting in custody. Keep things very simply. I don't know who plays golf out there, but uh, the lower the score, the better when it comes to paroles like golf. Lower the score, the better. Okay, higher scores, uh, higher risk to reoffend, which means higher risk to end up back in prison. So these are the things that uh, the, uh, when, when Ms. Lozano was talking about the static factors, uh, parole is looking at the age of first admission into any facility, any law enforcement. So if, if, if we have a, 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 an individual that his first admission was at 12 years old, and that does happen in the juvenile system, that'll be a mark on their record. So the lower their age, it's gonna be a higher point total uh, when it comes to their static uh, point factor. Also, a history of prior felony revocations. So parole wants to know if a court or a prosecutor ever gave an inmate a chance to do probation, were they compliant? When they were out on in society, were they compliant with certain terms and conditions? If there are histories of, if there's a history of uh, not complying with probation, that's gonna reflect on a possibility of not being able to comply with the parole uh, panel we'll be looking at. Prior TDC incarcerations, obviously, uh, that's a big one because if the parole sees that, hey, this guy's been in and out of the system uh, before, uh, TDC is like a second home, well, we might as well keep the guy in uh, because he could be a danger to society. Uh, employment prior to incarceration, they wanna know, is this individual able to hold down a job? Was he a productive member of society uh, before? I'm saying he, I don't mean to sound sexist or anything, but. Our, our clients in the in the in the prison system are predominantly male, uh, but this applies to everyone. Uh, and the underlying offense: how serious was the underlying offense? Dynamic factors include the current age of the inmate, gang membership. That's obviously a big thing. With if if the, if, if the inmate gets out, will that inmate start associating with negative peers? Any educational, vocational, or job training while incarcerated? I tell all my clients before they go to TDC. It's important that you stay busy. If they're offering a welding class, computer skills, job skills, anything, Bible study, alcohol counseling, drug counseling, stay busy, take these classes because it shows the parole board that you wanna make positive changes in your life and that you are ready to come out and be a productive member of society. Disciplinary conduct. Hey, how about you not smack the assist the, the associate warden in the face because you don't like the, the the temperature of the pizza you got on your tray? So these are all uh, taken into consideration, and the offense severity level, obviously, uh, you know, dealing with somebody who has an aggravated robbery with a deadly weapon, uh, that is going to be a higher risk to reoffend as opposed to maybe a white collar crime like an embezzlement, something like that. So these are all factors to consider. Time. Okay, so once we have our packet complete, we send it to the corresponding parole board office. Um, then a lot of clients say, okay, now now what? Is that process just over? Um, so prior to their parole review date, we do schedule a call directly with our client just to get any questions answered. Maybe there was something that was completed or maybe some new information that was not included in our packet. So we have that kind of last minute chance to uh, get all of the up-to-date and accurate information. Then we request a specific call with a member of the parole board that will be making their decision uh, on this individual's parole. Family are uh, invited and, and can attend to this call. Um, and again, it's kind of our last chance to present uh, and highlight all of our packets and also to present any new information 
Um, if that family member desires, they can make a, a brief statement as well to the parole board. Um, and once that phone call is finished, it's just a matter of a week or two, and we will uh, be notified of, of their decision. And when we come back, we will get into what happens after the parole board makes their decision. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, but this is coming from the CLM law firm, Carmona Lozano Mesa. Uh, thank you very much, and we will come back with part two. CLM Law Firm is the trial team you can trust for your criminal defense, car accidents, school hearings, or parole cases. We combine our decades of experience to fight on your side as one powerhouse team, standing with you, standing for you. CLM Law Firm. All right. Thank you very much for having us on. Again, uh, my name is Omar Carmona here with our legal assistant, Tanya Lozano. We are on the Litigate This Vodcast podcast. Uh, this, uh, presented by the CLM Law Firm. Again, if you have any questions, you can reach us at 915-225-1555. Our main office is downtown in the Wells Fargo building on the 12th floor, Suite 1200. Uh, you can also email us at office at clmfirm.com if you have any questions or would like to schedule a consultation. We'd be more than happy to visit with you. So we talked about the parole packet and what goes in um, to uh, making a, a, a basic, basically a pitch to the uh, parole board as to why our clients should be getting out. Um, once we submit the parole packet that we discussed earlier, uh, we schedule a phone call with the inmate. Th that's very important because we like to know what the inmate has been up to recently. Uh, are there gonna be any surprises that we find in the parole file that we need to be made aware of that we may need to address with the parole board? Also, uh, we request a call with a member of the parole board. Uh, we invite the families to attend. Uh, in our office. Right now, all these calls are uh, done by phone. Uh, we can also do things virtually with the parole board. We have done that. Uh, since the pandemic started, we haven't uh, had to travel for any um, any hearings like that, but we are available to do that as well. You know, a lot of questions when the parole review, when the individual has been accepted, you know, the family is like, okay, when are they coming home? How is everything going to happen? Um, so there's different levels of uh, release. Uh, so I think the, the most common ones are, um, you know, the offender is to be immediately released uh, back home. I think transportation is made for them and uh, they, make, they make their way back home to their uh, designated uh, home address and within their release plan. Um, and then some other um, uh, classifications here, they are to be uh, released uh, pending a, maybe a rehabilitation program or maybe there's a, a stay at the halfway house pending. Uh, so those are some various uh, scenarios um, here, but I think at that point, once they are released, then they have a, a designated parole officer to, to kind of answer any questions and they kind of take that from there. And I'll go back to talk about these when we're talking about the parole revocation process, um, which is also just as important. Um, but, you know, let's say that parole is denied, okay? So uh, Tanya just spoke about certain conditions of release. So parole has been granted and there are certain conditions. And I want to get back to those conditions because they are very important. But let's say parole is denied. Well, we will be getting another parole review date. And our law firm stays on the case until the inmate is out, okay? So it's not just we just make one pitch. You know, we get denied and then, well, you know, good luck to you. We will stay on the case until uh, uh, the inmate is released from uh, TDC custody. However, uh, once the parole board uh, makes their decision to deny, they will give us a list of reasons as to why it was denied. Sometimes it's the nature of the offense. 
Maybe the parole board doesn't feel that enough of the sentence has been completed at this point to warrant a release. Uh, there's all, again, I mentioned earlier, there are considerations of victims of crimes that need to be considered. Uh, maybe the victim doesn't feel safe with this certain individual uh, being released back into society. And as unfair as my client's family may, thinks, you know, may think that is, that is something that the state of Texas has to take into consideration. So we talked about uh, earlier about an inmate getting parole granted uh, post-release plan. But let's say that inmate is granted parole and they will sign what's called off, sign off on what's called a certificate of parole. And in that certificate of parole, there are going to be many, 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 many terms and conditions that they have to follow if they want to stay out of prison. And we get phone calls all the time. Well, it's not fair. Uh, why does why does why does uh, my son have to go through this again? He already served his paid his debt to society. Well, that's the agreement, folks. If they let you out on parole, there's an agreement. If you don't want to be in prison and you want to be out back in society, you're going to have certain terms and conditions. I'm not the one that makes the rules, nor is Ms. Lozano. So please, if there are terms and conditions of parole, we can address those. We can seek to modify them. We can seek some assistance in changing them. But there is going to be some form of supervision. A lot of people just want to be let off the hook completely. I'm back in society. It doesn't work that way. So let's say there's been a violation. Uh, a, a parolee has not been home in the last two weeks, probably out of the out of the county. A blue warrant goes out, and the blue warrant is basically saying uh, it's it's a warrant that um, informs all of law enforcement that if you find this individual, they're going to be locked up for some time, and there will be a parole revocation hearing. At that hearing, the there will be a parole hearing officer, and will take testimony from the parole officer as to whether or not the inmate, or the, I'm sorry, I keep calling the inmate, but the parolee violated any one of the terms and conditions of parole. So let's say we have a full-on hearing and the hearing officer concludes, yep, there's enough evidence to sustain an accusation that the parolee left the state without permission and I will sustain, and the parole hearing officer sustains the violation. Well, then there will be a punishment and there could be a full range of punishment. Uh, one sanction can be, well, you know, the guy's been here for a few days already. Hopefully that's the, the lesson that this inmate needs to learn. Let him out. Back to back to supervision. Uh, there can be uh, what uh, rebel uh, placement in ISF, which is a um, uh, alternative to a full-on prison, but it is an incarceration. It's a facility that is locked down, so it's like being back in in prison. Uh, there could be a commitment up to 120 days on those we've seen, uh, and there can also be revocation. Okay, you're going back to prison because it didn't work out with you being back in society. Please do not take this as legal advice to your specific case because every case is different. Again, I can't stress that enough. This is not legal advice to your specific case, so don't say, oh, on, on, on litigate this, Omar Carmona said that I just need to uh, go to my counseling and I'll be fine. No, I don't know about your specific case right now. That's why you need to give us a call at 915-225-1555 or email us at office at clmfirm.com and we can talk about your specific case uh, and how you can be successful on parole and not have to worry about being revoked while on parole. Again, uh, on behalf of my law partners and the rest of the staff at the CLM law firm, uh, thank you, uh, uh, Ms. Tanya Lozano, for being with me today. Uh, again, if you have any questions on parole, one of your relatives, preparing a parole plan, a packet, or how to handle revocation proceedings, again, please give us a call at the CLM law firm. Thank you very much.
The preceding program was a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program.